Our second lesson comes to us from the book of Revelation, the 22nd chapter. Two weeks ago, I preached on the second chapter, and today we're moving to chapter 22. Hear the word of God. This word is written to and for you. See, I am coming soon, and my reward is with me. To repay according to everyone's work, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they will have the right to the tree of life and may enter the city by its gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and fornicators and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. It is I, Jesus, who sent you, my angel, with this testimony for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star I am. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let everyone who hears it come, and let everyone who is thirsty come, let anyone who wishes take the water of life as a gift. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of this book, of this prophecy, God will take away that person's share of the tree of life. And in this holy city, which are described in this book, the one who testifies to these things says, surely I am coming. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all the saints. Amen. This is the word of our Lord. Thanks be to God. May I ask you, are you hearing kickback from the mic? Yes, I am too. Um, Nick, is there anything you can do about the kickback? It also could be, the mic could be picking up someone's um, hearing aid. So if you're hearing okay, and you just, if you could just turn it down slightly, let's see if that's, Reiner, if you have your hearing aid on. No, okay. All right, let's push on. Riff upon groove and jam upon refrain. The Revelation to John, chapter 22. I grew up in a church called the Beverly Heights Presbyterian Church in Mount Lebanon, Pennsylvania. And in eighth grade, I went through confirmation. And for some reason that year, the session of the church thought it would be a good idea to use the book of Revelation as that year's confirmation curriculum. I know. <laughs> Eighth graders would prepare for church membership by studying the book of Revelation. It was a mistake. <laughs> Rather than have the confirmands dive into Revelation, which is an incredibly wonderful book, 
Instead of having us dive into the scripture that can inspire and witness to God's justice, the teaching team decided that for nine months, the program year, we would focus on the bizarre and the menacing of Revelation. All this to 13-year-olds who were being prepared to confirm their baptism on Easter morning. Now, this is in the 1970s. Neil Armstrong, Buzz Aldrin, and Apollo 11 were over this shoulder, and the Vietnam War was almost over, over that shoulder. We were 13 years old, and the only thing that made sense to us was that Roberto Clemente was the greatest baseball player who had ever lived. <laughs> May I hear an amen? amen. Sunday morning church school classes took us through every possible image, enigma, secret message that Revelation could throw at us. And it looked like Satan was trying to abduct our souls through music and movies. That is what they came up with. One week, we were given an entire list of all of the musicians and songs that were considered to be malevolent forces for youth. My friends and I looked at this list. We knew every song. <laughs> we knew it by heart. And the top of the list were the Bee Gees and Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> I know that every generation has a conversation about the efficacy of popular music. The waltz was first considered to be an abomination of impropriety. Just ask Jane Austen. But my church's fear was bone deep. How to protect children in a world gone mad was the guiding question. And the book of Revelation was the place to begin. They believed if they could keep us scared, then they could keep us safe. Sound familiar? If they can keep us scared, then they can keep us safe. Let's pause for a revelation refresher and corrective. We can forget about trying to decode revelation. It can't be done. We can't possibly know of this particular seal, the image of the seal meaning what for what future calamity. We can't know it. We can't know a winged creature and a two-edged sword signifies a disaster on a particular year a sea beast with 100 crowns indicating some kind of impending catastrophe. And as I mentioned two weeks ago, the decoding of John's incredible book has become part of our culture's Armageddon industry. Many churches continue to be caught up in it. There's the old Left Behind series the end of time gaming apps. There's a doomsday publishers. All market, all modern day marketing playing on fear and worry, using panic 
and the revelation of John as a timetable for the rapture, the very end of the world. Well, the word rapture never, ever appears in the Bible. All of this fuss is to make a buck on people's back through their anxiety and fear. And every bit of it can be left behind. And why? Because the book of Revelation is a letter written by a theologian, John of Patmos. He was living imprisoned on the Isle of Patmos. And he was writing this letter called a book to the churches who were experiencing unimaginable persecution, torture, tyranny, and torment. And here's the thing. John's book is nothing to be afraid of because it is first and foremost a book of comfort and hope. It is a book for the hope, not of punishment for despair. Revelation is first and foremost a proclamation and not a prediction. It's poetry. It's not blank verse. It's lyrical, not discordant. And it's chocked full of meaning. It is not the destruction of meaning. Can you hear it? If you read it and read it out loud, you can hear it. You can sing it. I stand at the door and knock. Here I am. And then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. And the first heaven passed away, and the sea was no more. And God wiped away every tear from their eyes. And there will be no more death. And there will be no more mourning or crying or pain. For the old order has passed away. And here I am, says Jesus, I am your bright morning star. Come. Can you hear it? Come. There is a gift. Take the water of life. Come, Lord Jesus. It is a riff upon a groove, upon a jam, upon a refrain. This is no dirge or indictment. This is a song of life. It is an anthem to hope. Brian Blunt, a beloved friend of many of us, and formerly the president of the Presbyterian Seminary in Richmond, Union Seminary. Our own Jack Lapsley has unfortunately left our church to take that position as president. We miss her and we're so proud of her. But Brian Blunt wrote an extraordinary book about Revelation. And he says that Revelation is a rap. It's a blend of memorial music and unruly rhetoric. And it never, ever gives up hope. 
God's purpose rings out and it compellingly sings, you, O Lord Jesus, are worthy. Worthy is the lamb. The entire book, he says, is blues and spirituals and gospel and rap and revelation hymns, all fighting music, fighting for courage and fairness, optimism and engagement. It's all encouragement. The book of Revelation contains, in the book, seven letters each letter to a particular church, each church going through horrific torture at the hands of those in charge. Jesus is their savior and they are being beheaded for it. The seven letters reach churches who are suffering the worst of abuse and yet they offer us some of the most beautiful words of music in the Bible. There are nine hymns embedded in this book, and they are antiphonal, their call and response, just how the choir of all ages leads us in antiphonal singing. There are musical exchanges between angels and cherubims and elders of the church, and even voices of those who have died, voices from heaven who are cascading down upon earth and rise back into the heavens in joyful celebration of God's grace. And it is in here, today's text, it is in this final epilogue and benediction that we hear the finale. Strands of both harmony and discord proclaiming when all is said and done, after all the uproar and the suffering and the sorrow, after all the racket and the chaos and the drama that human beings can make. It is singing that will endure. For John, Ordinary, everyday language cannot meet the deep need of our suffering. A new song is born, and that new song is our bright morning star. I loved the church of my childhood. I still do but they missed a wonderful opportunity. In their fear and panic, they only saw words printed on a page. They forgot to listen to the text. They failed to listen to the hymns and to enjoy the songs. They forgot that it is singing that brings healing and singing that is a balm to our fear. In the bleakest of days, John in this text fills the church with audacity and confidence. His hymn becomes an anthem for an Easter people living in a Good Friday world and my friends, that's quite a song. That is quite a song. Thanks be to God. <laughs>